Most of y'all know Melody Johnson, but if you don't, if you're newer to the church, uh, Melody is, I think, probably one of our favorite people in this community. She's done so much to teach, to serve, to uh, admonish, to build community, to make food and create community <laughs> at her home and at this, uh, in this building. And uh, so we're really honored, Melody, to have you with us. And Thank you, Jay. Thank you. Um, gosh, now my head's like all like big and I gotta, um, thank you for that worship and worship team this morning. Like I was so completely filled and lost track of even having to come up here. So that's always a good thing, um, that God is working. So, so thank you all. Um, so yes, I am Melody Johnson. I basically grew up in this church, started coming as a high schooler. That was a really long time ago. Um, so, um, yeah, it's always like coming home, um, and I love it, and um, currently we are still living in Simi Valley. God has not changed that yet. Um, been praying a lot that he would, but he hasn't, um, so we're, we're dealing with that. Um, I am also a spiritual director, and I'm a coach, and I'm working with the um, conference for our denomination, um, pretty much doing whatever it is that they need me to do, um, so that's kind of where we're at in life right now. So I want to welcome all of you that are here. It's great to see new people. And those of you are, that are online, I am hoping that you are enjoying um, church with your pajamas on. I'm a little jealous because I do like doing that too. Um, so good morning. Um, I know it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I'm super glad that you guys are here and not partying yet. You'll have plenty of time to do that, and I promise I will not go over my allotted time slot because it's a big day. And I get that. Um, so know that I've got the time under control. You don't have to worry about it. You'll get out of here on time. So now, if any of you spend a lot of time, or really almost any time at all, with a young child, you get a lot of questions. Anybody? Yeah. So that's how we grow up and we understand the world, is through questioning things. So the average two to five-year-old asks 40,000 questions during those years. That's a lot. They said that sometimes up to 200 questions a day. And as having a child of that age at one point, I don't think that is an exaggeration. Um, the questions like kind of start off easy. Why is the sky blue? Why does it rain? Then they start getting a little harder. Why do I have to go to school? Where do babies come from? Why do bad things happen and why do people die? That's how we learn to navigate our world, is through questions. And I loved this series. I had never heard any pastor ever do a series about the questions Jesus asked, and so I was like rather intrigued. Um, so I'm really glad that I get to be a part of this series. Um, and I'm hoping that you guys have gotten to know Jesus a little bit better um, through it. And I'm gonna briefly, if this is the fourth week, that you guys are in on this, and you should have a study guide if you're working through that, that's awesome. Give kudos to Kurt for creating that. Oh my gosh, that is so much extra work, um, and I was really impressed. So, um, first week you guys looked at Matthew 5, 46, and it was Jesus' question. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? I love in that passage that we get to learn about God's radical kingdom love. It's undeserved, it's unearned, it's lavish. And then the second week, you guys discussed Matthew 
6:28 and Jesus question, "And why do you worry about clothes?" Now, like all of us, I'm glad we're all wearing them this morning. Um, so, the, you at home, you can do whatever you want. But here, thank you. Um, but you know what? We learn that we can just give it our anxieties to God and all of those things that like keep us up at night don't really have to like we were singing about. We give it to him. He's caring for us. He cares about us. We're going to talk about that more today. And then last week, you guys did Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Yeah, that one's always a little kind of, yeah. I don't know how many of you like that question. (laughs) I know I don't particularly like dealing with that one. Um, John Calvin Um, he he calls for self-awareness, and I love this quote of his, and it's that um, one cannot truly know God without knowing oneself, and that one couldn't truly know oneself without knowing God. Um, And that's something that I have really been trying to live into lately, um, is is taking stock of my own vulnerabilities, um, and my own stuff. I'll use that word. It's a better word. Um, and how that affects those around us and our interactions with those around us. So this week, we are going to dig into Mark 4, 35 through 41. This question is actually a two-for question. So far, we just Jesus has been giving us one question. This one, he gives us a two-for-one. And if you've already been studying the the study guide, you might kind of know where I'm going a little bit with this. It's going to be a little different maybe than what you've heard passages and sermons on this before. Because sometimes I think we lose the main, at least one of the main points here. Because there's just a lot in these seven verses. So I'm going to ask if we can get it up on the screen now. And I want to do something a little different. I like interactive. So I want us to read it together. I I, I don't know how this is going to go. It may go well, and it may just go really, really poorly. But I want to try it because, again, I don't think, I don't know. I don't like church where I'm talking and you're just sitting. And so let's read this together. Um, This is Mark 4, 35 through 41. So that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, Don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Yeah. Um, Let's just open in prayer. Lord, these seven verses that you have given us, 
There is so much about you in them. Open up our hearts and our ears to hear from you this morning. Help us to really internalize who you are and how much that you love us. We give this to you in your name. Amen. So, like I said, I think sometimes the main point of this scripture gets kind of pushed to the back burner. Now, yes, it is about there are storms in life. Anybody? experiencing, have experienced a storm, you, you, you know what they're like, yeah. And, and God is in the boat with us, absolutely. And, and God does miracles, absolutely. And I am super, super thankful for all of that. And even when God is, you know, sleeping on the cushion, he's there with us. And again, I think over our lifetime, you know, some, some storms are, you know, pretty mild frustrations. Some can be life and death situations. Um, but I think sometimes that's what this passage, that's all that people take away from the passage. And so this morning, um, we're going to dig in a little deeper because I think there's more. And I think the more is about God's identity. It's Fearing, yep, that's important. Let's not fear. Let's praise God. But we're going to dig in together. Um, I want to start with a little background. I always think I like the history a little bit, and I think it's helpful as we look into Scripture. So we're going to start with the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. It's not a sea at all. It's just traditionally called a sea, and nobody seems to really know why. Um, it's 13 miles long and 8 miles wide, and where the disciples were crossing in the boat that night was probably around 5 miles wide. And it's kind of surrounded by like sloping hills and mountains, and think Simi Valley filled up with water. Um, that to me is what, you know, and, and you can look on pictures online and stuff, it, and that's kind of what it is. And most of Jesus' ministry took place around the Sea of Galilee. This was very central to his teaching and his miracles. It's a place that they know really well. So that's one of the things. How about the boat? So in 1986, I found this fascinating. Archaeologists found the remains, pretty much fairly well intact remains, of a fishing boat from right around that time period. Um, and it really kind of solidified what historians and archaeologists had been putting together. Um, the boat was about 27 feet long, and I'm told that that's about from that corner there to that corner there on the wall. I tried pacing it out down here, and it was from like there to over there. But that gives you, it's a pretty good sized boat, right? It's not this little tiny like dinghy, you know, or blow up lifeboat or something. It's a good sized boat. Um, probably about seven feet at its widest. Um, probably about four feet high. I'm not very tall, so probably about there. Um, it possibly, most likely, had four sets of oars. It had some sails. Um, it could have probably held about 15 people, they think. So we don't exactly know who was in the boat with Jesus that night. But we do know several of his disciples were experienced fishermen. And these waters were not new to them. They knew what they were doing that night. And I think it's also helpful here 
I'm going to do a little tidbit of the original language because I think something gets lost in our English translations. The, the translation we just read, you can read any English translation of this scripture, and I think something gets lost without knowing the original language. Um, R.C. Sproul, a theologian, makes it very clear that in the original text, the word magna in Latin, or mega in Greek, shows up three times. There's a mega storm, there's a mega calm, and then there's mega awe. And our scriptures don't really show that. Um, so it's one of those that it's like, that's where I love to go back and kind of dig a little deeper. Um, I think that puts it in better uh, context for us. So the encounter, like we just read, takes place after Jesus had been teaching all day long. He's sitting in the boat because there was no green room, there was no MVP, VIP section, there was no like meet and greet lines. Like people are like swarming him. They want miracles, they want to hear him. Something new, something they're learning. So he's sitting in the boat because that's otherwise, like anybody like crowds? I don't like crowds. We actually just spent time at Disney World and I love Disney World, but I'm like, Stay over there. Um, so the disciples, they're like listening to this guy and they're trying to figure out who this rabbi is. They haven't spent much time with him. Um, I know your questions that Jesus asked are kind of going in chronological order. So this is kind of the beginning of Jesus's ministry still. So, and then lastly, I think this account of calming the storm, I think it's important to know that it's in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Three of the four gospels have this account in them. I think that means it's kind of important, right? If it's in so many. Now, this account in Mark has the most details. And it's interesting that a lot of theologians think the reason that this account in Mark has so many details is because it's possible Mark got the account directly from Peter. Peter would have been on the boat that night. This like kind of gave me chills when I'm reading this. And I'm like, oh, like Peter would have known. And, and if you know anything about the Gospels, Peter's like the disciple that we all love because he's just an idiot sometimes or a lot of the time. And, and we love that because we are too. Um, and of course, we can't know that that's the case, but, but it gets us thinking. And it got me thinking. And it got me thinking about, huh, I wonder what that conversation would have been like. And one of the things that I like to do, that I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it, it wasn't something that I was really ever taught, and you may or may not be very uncomfortable in a few minutes, um, but we're gonna use our imaginations for a second. We're gonna use our imagination that we are sitting in that room with Peter and Mark maybe there was a scribe and maybe there were a few other people in that room and we're sitting there and we're going to listen to how that conversation might have gone and so I see them they're sitting there maybe drinking a cup of coffee or probably a glass of wine and and it like Mark's like hey Peter we need to start getting this stuff written down Remember, Jesus said he's coming back, and he's going to really expect us to be like, like knowing this stuff and, and remembering all the things that he's been teaching us. So we've got to start writing this down. Can you tell me again what happened that night 
that you guys were out on the Sea of Galilee and that storm came up? And then I think, you know what, Peter probably, he probably started to monologue, that's kind of Peter. And he's like, man, that night was crazy. It all started, like, like it was just a long day. Jesus had been teaching all day. He was sitting on the boat and I remember that we had to tether the boat out a little bit because people were coming from all sides and wanting to touch him and, and, and bring their kids. And it was just chaos out there. So Jesus is sitting in the boat, and he's teaching. And you know that, that, that place that we sit at, and, and, he, and we go on, in, on the Sea of Galilee where those hills kind of come up? Yeah, that, it was just packed. People were sitting all over there, and they were just listening to Jesus. And Jesus is talking in parables again, and like, we're so confused, but then like he'd bring us disciples together and he'd like kind of explain what he was talking about and it kind of started to make more sense. But it'd been a long day, nighttime was coming and Jesus is like, yeah, we're gonna go across this, across this lake. And um, it was kind of out of the blue, but nothing unusual that night. There's other boats out on the water. It, it just all seemed pretty normal. So we're crossing that boat. We're sailing, we're crossing the sea. We're sailing. Jesus was, I guess, really tired. He must have been exhausted because that guy fell sound asleep. Like, like we're still chatting and trying to figure out what Jesus was talking about, lamps and seeds and how those are examples of God's kingdom but Jesus is like conked out and then the weirdest thing happened this gigantic storm came up now Mark you know what kind of storm I'm talking about we've all experienced them but this one this storm this was a mega storm all of a sudden the winds come up yeah, and then the waves and the boat. Man, the waves, they're coming into the boat. They're not hitting the sides of the boat. No, they're coming in the boat. I'm going to be honest, we started freaking out. We're bailing water. We're trying to right the sails. We are pretty sure at this point we're going to die. And things are getting totally chaotic. We're like, Jesus, why are you still sleeping? Jesus, Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Now, Peter goes on. I thought that was weird. But then things got even weirder. Jesus, he got up after we're screaming at him. He got up and he just did this thing. He just told the wind and the sea to stop. And it did. Instant mega calm on the water. We're all standing there soaking wet. We're looking at each other like, uh, was that just a bad dream? But then Jesus asks us a couple questions. And I'll never forget the look in his eye. And he says to us, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? These questions pierced us to our very soul. It was in that moment that the only word I can use to describe it was there was mega awe. 
was at that moment that we started to understand that Jesus was no ordinary teacher. You know, Mark, the wind and the sea, they don't just listen to anyone. Now, obviously, we don't know for sure that it was even Peter, and we don't know how the conversation went, but I think sometimes when I put myself in the same human room with some of these disciples and early followers of Christ, it makes them more normal, it makes me better able to relate to them, and we see the humanity um, in it. Now, I love and hate this story for a couple of reasons. There's a lot of loose ends. I don't know as you were reading through it or listening through it, all of the loose ends. Like, what happened to the other boats? They were obviously caught in the storm and then the waves stopped too. They didn't have Jesus in their boat. Like, huh, just got me thinking. Um, and then there's that cliffhanger ending that the disciples still don't fully understand who Jesus is. Does anybody else get frustrated with cliffhanger endings, like movies and novels? I don't know if I'm the only person, um, but like you've just spent two hours watching a really, really great movie and it doesn't resolve. And then you have to wait like, well, if it's a TV series, you have to wait till the next season or to the next sequel, and you're just left not knowing. And just as the early disciples and the followers, they needed to continue wrestling with who Jesus was, leaves us that cliffhanger. We too must wrestle with who Jesus is. So, now to all those questions. Um, so I think if we look at Jesus' questions, it makes a lot more sense if we remember that they were freaking out. They were bailing water. They were screaming. And I'm going with those adjectives. No, those are verbs. I'm going to go with the verbs like freaking out and screaming and such because, you know, we read this sometimes and it's like, uh, Jesus, you might want to wake up. There's like this storm going on. No, 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 no. They're human, remember. I'm thinking they are freaking out. Because then Jesus' question makes so much more sense, too. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? After everything is calm except for the disciples, Jesus asks them these two questions back. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? There's no dialogue between them. They're two sides on the same coin. Remember, Jesus is questioning them based on their question and their reactions during the storm, before the calm happened. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I don't think we sometimes, we, we kind of miss that point, that Jesus is saying this in response to don't you care? And the Old Testament is full of examples of, um, of that only God can control the waves and the sea. Jesus had done some bunch of miracles before this, but there was only one in their knowledge, there's only one in our knowledge that the sea and the wind listen to. And the sea and the wind only listen to the one that created it. 
let that sink in for a second. So back to our question, teacher, don't you care we are perishing? Jesus, don't you care? How often in a storm, when the storm is raging on, do we ask that? I know I do. Jesus, don't you care that I got laid off? Don't you care that my child is struggling? Don't you care that I received some really hard medical news? Don't you care that this world is falling apart? Jesus, I'm drowning. Ah, don't you care? I'm bailing out water. I'm doing everything in my power to fix the situation. Yeah, just like the disciples. And we're yelling, don't you care? Yeah. And it's not until sometimes the storm has passed or it's done, or it's after I've done everything that I know how to do um, that I come to that mega awe. Um, and to be honest, 2022, it was a really crappy year. Um, the, the last three years, I think we all have had our share of storms in the last three years. And, and just when things are like starting to get more normal, like I'm thinking, okay, 2022, that's going to be the year. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be good. Life's going to get back together, man. It was rough. And I caught myself. And it's more almost even in reflection. I, and in, while it's happening and I'm freaking out and I'm screaming, I'm not even really like, I'm still doing it all in my power. And I forget who I'm crying out to. The power of the gospel is that the same God that has the power to control the winds and the sea, he's in our boat. He's in our boat with us. And guess what? He does care. So we have to ask ourselves, does Jesus need to calm our storms before we get to mega awe? Or are we willing to give him the praise and the glory in the midst of our storms? The creator of the cosmos, he came to earth to dwell as one of us, and now he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's when we begin to internalize that, that we know the answer to our question, don't you even care? And then I think we can better grasp Jesus' questions back to the disciple. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I think the disciples' response and our response to who God is, that mega awe, sometimes it's translated fear, as we've seen. Sometimes it's terrified. And I think that's because we just don't know what to do with it. Like, for, for the most part in our world, we like to make sense of things. We like to categorize them, and, and we, we like to organize things. What do we do with God? And then one last point, 
I find it very interesting in that last part of verse 41, they're filled with mega awe, and then they said to one another, hmm, Jesus is still in the boat with them, but who are they talking to? Each other. And again, I think it's they don't know what to do with that mega awe, with God. It's so much easier to talk about God and to learn about God, and that's why we come to church, and that's why we do Bible studies, but until we begin to really take God in, it goes, it's just information. It will not transform us. It's when we start to spend time with this God, and we soak in who God is that it will transform our lives. So this morning, if you are calling out, Jesus, don't you even care? I just want to encourage you this week to reflect on who you're calling out to. And I think the more we do that, the answer becomes clear. And if you're new to the Christian faith and you're just learning about Jesus, talk with someone talk with Jesus, talk with God, but also talk with someone. There is times when that's important. Um, and whether you've been following God your whole entire life, you know, it, it, I don't want you to leave here today with just more information. When we leave here, we get to write the sequel to the cliffhanger ending in Mark 4. We know that there will be mega storms. You might be in one right now. And we know that God can bring mega calm. But most importantly, are we willing to have that mega awe in the middle of the storm? Do we trust him? Do we trust that he cares? Do we trust that the God that only the wind and the seas obey for us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray and the worship band can come back up. Um, holy, mysterious God. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that it is not just words on pages that were spoken years, thousands of years ago. But Lord, there is a word for us today. Lord, we just thank you that we know the answer, that you do care. And yes, fear and our lack of faith are so normal sometimes, Lord. But we know that you are in them. We know that you are in those questions. Help us to respond with really the only response that is worthy of who you are. Help us to respond with your mega awe to you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. In your name, amen. Well, thank you, Millie. Actually, can we give Melody a hand for being with us again?